the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I lost my courage today for a second. I was tweeting about Hakeem Jeffries' lie, saying that five Capitol Police officers lost their lives on the day of January the 6th. None lost their life that day. Some died after, and I will admit that uh, the stress and all that has to be hard on a person and the heart attacks and things brought on, that 1-6 may have definitely had a role in that. Then just say that. Say that, because that's bad enough. That is that is a horrific thing. If you stressed someone into a heart attack, that is horrific enough. You don't need to embellish it. Well, that wasn't enough for him. He had to embellish it. And I knew when he referred to the 4221 Capitol Police officer death, I remembered, well, that guy got run down by somebody. I looked it up. Who ran him down? Why isn't he saying who ran him down? That was my initial like suspicion. I'm like, hmm, why is he giving us any details on that? And I just looked it up. I Googled 4221 Capital Attack Officer Dead. And his first line is it's a black nationalist. And I was like, okay, I can't print that because then people say I'm what? Racist. No, it's not racist to tell the truth. That was who did the attack. So the more I think about it, how utterly corrupt of Jeffries, who's like their rising star in the Democratic Party, they know when they're lying. Well, it's not just Hakeem Jeffries. Project Veritas is at it again, folks. Here is a snippet of an interview that they conducted, and it's undercover. All their interviews are undercover because they'd never get leftists to tell the truth about sexual grooming and sex crimes and, you know, discrimination against conservatives. They'd never get liberals to say anything that's true on the record, so they have to do the hidden camera thing. Well, now they have turned their hidden cameras on Matthew Rosenberg, a New York Times reporter. Here's Matthew Rosenberg. And don't worry if you can't make it out. I will go back over it and uh, read you what he said. But first, give a listen. Here he is talking about being at the Capitol on January the 6th and what it was really like. It's like January 6th stuff that is like so over at this point. It's so over. The left's overreaction, the left's reaction to it in some places was so over the top. It was like me and two other colleagues who were there who were outside. And we were just like, dude, come on. Like, you were not in any danger. All right, there you go. So did you hear that? You heard uh, Matthew Rosenberg say, it's like this January 6th stuff. It's like, I'm so over the top. At this point, I'm so over it. And then he continues. And as soon as the video advances, I'll tell you. He said, the left's overreaction, the left's overreaction to it in some places was so over the top. It was me and two other colleagues who were there. We were outside. We were just having fun. Dude, come on. Like, you were not in any danger at all. Is that is that the spirit of the New York Times reporting? Has Matthew Rosenberg ever written an editorial column like that? Saying, you know, I was there. You guys are all freaking out all over the country and talking about that being a 
grand attack on our liberty and our freedoms, I was there. It really wasn't that big of a deal. Why won't they release all the video from the January 6th attacks? I mean, if everybody looks horrible, and a lot of them look really horrible, hitting police officers, pushing down barricades and all that, I would think, like, why don't save the good stuff. Like, let it all out. Let me see how bad my side is. Because I don't want to associate with terrible people. The events of the Ohio speakers race prompted me to think long and hard about my reaction. Because my initial reaction was when Jason Stevens forged a deal with 32 Democrats in the Ohio House to backstab Derek Maron as Speaker of the House, to effectively kill the backpack bill, the Protect Women's Sports Act, House Bill 616 and 454, to keep the LGBTQ ideology in check. Now it's going to just continue to flourish in our public schools. Um, I got mad. I got really mad. And even in the midst of my anger, which I knew was not godly and wrong, and my wife reminded me, look, God's always in control, and you can't get mad. You can't let it change who you are, or otherwise they win. But I thought to myself, this is how people who are not as, um, I don't even know what the word is, but people who do not calmly, rationally think through every aspect of their actions, this is how events like January the 6th happen. You're, you're stirred up, you're mad. This is the mob mentality. This is the mob mentality. Like, for instance, on January 6th, they show up in Washington, they're mad, they think Trump got the election stolen from him. They show up. They're goaded by, I don't know, extremists? Very possibly, yes. Militia people? Very possibly, yes. FBI agents? <laughs> Very possibly, yes. And they stir people up. And in the moment, we see this all the time, the mob gets out of control. We see it at soccer games when people get trampled to death and fights break out and tens of scores of people die. Oh, it's a soccer game. Like if anybody would be like, breathe. Soccer game. Do I want to die over a soccer game? Don't want to kill someone over a soccer game? No, I like soccer, but this is stupid. My life is going to change. No, they don't do that. They get caught up in the moment. And I realized in that moment, and the left foments this. Hakeem Jeffries knows he's lying today. The Democrats know just holding that ceremony on the steps of the Capitol will inflame people across the country over the lies they continue to tell and the lies they continue to embellish. And then here's this New York Times reporter, Matthew Rosenberg, who has personal knowledge that while what happened that day was bad, really bad, it wasn't as bad as it has been branded and labeled and purposed by the Democratic Party. But do you think he's going to have the courage of his convictions to go on the record. If James O'Keefe of Project Veritas had come out of the back room of that restaurant and said, hey, you know, uh, hi, Matthew, I'm James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. Seems like you have a really unique perspective on January the 6th. Seems like you could set the record straight. You're a reporter. You're with the New York Times. I mean, the New York Times. You have a bully pulpit. I mean, imagine how much your words could mean to setting straight in our country and maybe calming the 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 rancor and the out-of-control partisanship in our country. You, Matthew Rosenberg, 
could tell just the truth. I'm not asking you to lie. I'm just tell the truth about your personal experiences. Would you mind doing that on camera? Because, I mean, you know, the New York Times is, like, supposed to be the bastion of truth. You think Masty Rosenberg would have said, sure, hook up the camera. Like, put it here. Put a, put a, put a mic on my shirt. I'd be happy to tell you that story, James. Or do you think Matthew Rosenberg would have run out of the restaurant and bolted down the street back to the sanctity of his New York Times office? I think the latter. <laughs> I think the latter, which is really the problem, right? We don't have any journalists who will tell the truth. What was I reading today? Something by, oh, here it is. Yes, yes. Haley B. Miller. She's one of the worst She's writing about the Ohio Republican Party electing a new leader, and she wrote about the um, possibility that the 22 turncoat Republicans could be censured by the Republican Party. And at the very end, one of the things in one of the uh, postings to conservatives overnight to get them to call their representatives and say, hey, you got to censure these 22 Republicans, was a picture, a picture of Jason Stevens, the new Speaker of the House, being sworn in and holding the Bible for Jason Stevens, the Speaker of the House. Who do you think that was? Was it Jason Stevens' wife? You think that? I mean, there's a big moment in his career, right? He's a super powerful politician. Was it his political mentor? Maybe. Was it perhaps the maybe Bob, maybe uh, Bob Cup, the old Speaker, right? Uh, who would be holding the Bible? For Jason Stevens to place his hand on the Bible and take the oath of office. I'll tell you who it was. Allison Russo, Democrat from Upper Arlington, is holding the Bible. A Democrat. The Democratic minority leader in the House is holding the Bible. And Allison Russo is in favor of unrestricted abortion. Unrestricted abortion. So Haley B. Miller of the Dispatch is writing about this. And she said, it also notes that House Minority Leader Allison Russo held the Bible. The thing she saw said Russo held the Bible and how awful that is because she's for no restrictions on abortion. But Haley B. Miller left that little fact out. We will have our normal Friday visit with Jack Windsor of the Ohio Press Network at the top of the hour. 12.05, actually. I don't know if we'll be able to cram it all in with Jack uh, this week, given all the dysfunction, and I thought we'd be consumed by the Ohio Speaker of the House drama, but there's uh, Ohio Republican Party chairman drama, and Jack, I'm sure, is uh, on top of all that. In fact, I know this morning he was at the Ohio Republican Party meeting, so he will give us the latest on that at 12.05. Now, producer Pam sent me an email yesterday that cheered me up. Thank you, Producer yes. Pam. Anytime I see something that makes you mm. smile, I'm mm. going to send it Made to Made me you. smile. I fist-pumped yeah. this. Uh, Charleston, West Virginia is your dateline. Not that far away from us. A federal judge has ruled that West Virginia's transgender sports law... Boy, somebody... Whoever wrote this failed liberal journalism 101 because they didn't say it's an anti-trans law because that's how all these laws well, are labeled. Now, I will say the story I sent you is from a television station in the Charleston area that a friend of mine actually is the executive producer oh. for. So, they, Damn, you they have a conservative got, embedded but, in a TV th- no, station. Well, I didn't say that, but I, <laughs> but I will say that they are um 
a little they write things a little differently down there. In other words, it makes more sense. Oh, so they tell the truth is what yes. you're saying. They write things a little bit. Ah, federal judge back. I digress. A federal <laughs> judge has ruled that West Virginia's transgender sports law is constitutional. A decision that was praised by the state's attorney general. Kudos to Judge Joseph Goodwin, who ruled yesterday that the state... Le- imagine this. Just imagine right now you're in a time machine, okay? You're in a time machine all the way back to uh, 2000 and... I need dreamy music. 13, maybe? 10 years ago? <laughs> and the state legislature has been upheld because its definition of girl and woman are constitutionally permissible. Thank you, thank you, thank you, yes, West Virginia. Uh, so now the bill says that all biological males, including those who identify as transgender girls, are ineligible for participation on girls' sports teams. Gee, if only we had an up-and-coming, young, conservative Ohio House member who came from a small town in western Ohio, played sports at, I don't know, let me pick one out of the air. Oh, let's just say Arcanum High School. If only we had somebody like that who, you know, would propose such a law in the state of Ohio. Oh, that's right. We they do did. have that. We do have that legislator. Her name is Jenna Powell. She's one of the good ones. You won't find her name on the list of 22 stinky turncoats who backstabbed Derek Marin out of being Ohio Speaker of the House. And she has had this up in front of legislators in the state of Ohio at least two times for votes, and it has not passed yet because of our staunchly conservative governor, Mike DeWine, not even taking a position on it. Do you think that would happen in Florida, where they have a real conservative governor like Ron DeSantis? No, of course not. I don't even know who West Virginia's governor is, but it makes me want to move to West Virginia. Well, it's interesting as a sidebar note that the Ohio Board of Education understands what a yes. woman and a girl and a female is. That's correct. They do. Yes. And they passed that legislation. They did. Now you say, well, this is much ado about nothing. It's Ohio. We're not going to have anything bad happen to girls in our restrooms because, you know, the teachers here are different. And besides, like, you know, in the wacko liberal states like Illinois and New York and California, those teachers' unions are whacked. And, you know, teachers' unions here in Ohio, they would never do something like this. Well, uh, can you be too sure about that? Because teachers' unions are national organizations. And these state organizations fall under the umbrella of the national organizations. And if the national organizations are evil, you are hanging a very heavy weight on a very flimsy wire. If you think that, an Ohio teachers union is not going to back to the hilt every teacher in the state of Ohio, no matter how egregious their behavior may be. For instance, would you imagine that if I told you about a teacher in a liberal state like Illinois who was caught to be texting high school girls with explicit messages that I can't even repeat or be the end of the Bruce Hooley show and the end of Bruce Hooley in media? I am ready to blank right now. I'm not going to be gentle either. This is what he texted to one of the students who he repeatedly raped or at least had intercourse with. He also, in a text message, later threatened to kill the student and her family if they disclosed the relationship to investigators. Uh, Did he lose his job? No, he did not. The teachers' union in Chicago is fighting to 
protect him. They've got him. And no on, charges? No, no charges. No, he's been acquitted of charges, in fact. How this is just one of a number of incidents. Was in the Chicago. student like 18 know, to 17, where it's. 17. 17. Oh, uh, there are many, goodness. many stories out of this. The uh, number of sexual complaints, according to. This is not according to like a conservative watchdog agency. This is according to the uh, Chicago Public School Inspector General. So this is somebody who works for the Chicago Public Schools. They have the person in the public schools, the inspector general. They have one here in the city of Columbus. They have one in every major school system because they're the ones who are supposed to take the reports and investigate things. Uh, They had more than 600 adult-on-student sexual misconduct allegations for for the previous school year, substantiating more than half of them and initiating criminal charges in 16 cases. So... Half of them would be about 300. Yeah. And charges in only 16. Charges in 16. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So this is why we need things in the state of Ohio that expressly state in law that teachers cannot do certain things. They cannot talk about certain subjects. They cannot keep secrets from parents. These are why these things need to be in law, because... If you wait until you have an express violation, like something where we're, gonna, we're just going to wait until we have a Loudoun County incident here in Ohio, and then we'll and then we'll go through the you know super expedient legislative process and get that law approved. I mean, as fast as we can in what three or four years, right? I mean, that's how long it takes. So this is why you are proactive because as legislators, I I should be able to say as educators, but I can't say that, as legislators, you are supposed to protect the electorate. And the students are part of the electorate. They don't vote, but you're their parents, you're their grandparents. The citizenry, it is the duty, of course, it is the duty of people elected to public office to first and foremost protect the citizenry. That's not just from, you know, invaders coming over from some foreign country dropping bombs on us or, you know, germs on us, whatever you want to equate it to. It's also from domestic threats and from adults who would prey upon kids by grooming them, by then following through on some of that grooming, by forging relationships, keeping it a secret from you. This is why we need these things in law. I'm always struck by Teachers unions who push back against these things. Why? Are they saying that this behavior is okay? Like, Why are they pushing back against anti-grooming stuff in kindergarten, first, second, and third grade? If it's not happening, shouldn't be a big deal to legislate against it. But they know it's happening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.